be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. All right, joining us now on the program is Dr. Kirsten Gillardi. She is a veterinarian attached to the UC Davis Wildlife Health Center is deeply involved in what is being called the California Lost Fishing Gear Recovery Project. Welcome to Radio Parallax, Dr. Gilardi. Thanks, Doug. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a bit about what's going on across uh, California and its various piers. Yeah, well, it's a project we're really excited about. We got started this spring with an effort to recover discarded fishing line and hooks from pilings underneath public access fishing piers from uh, San Francisco down to San Diego. And the purpose is to really try to get some of this um, line and hooks out of the water where it uh, poses a hazard to birds and to mammals. Um, this fishing line and these hooks can entangle the, the legs and feet of uh, birds and can get swallowed by birds and mammals and um, cause significant injury um, to them to their intestinal tracts to their mouths and so um, I think most people who visit the coast in California at one time or another have seen a gull or a pelican with a hook and line hanging out of hanging out of their mouths or wrapped around their legs and, and it's a disturbing sight and so this project is really aimed at reducing the amount of this discarded fishing line in the water um, and also to prevent it accumulating further by um, the installation of fishing line recycling bins on several of these piers that fishermen using the piers have a, a better alternative for discarding their unwanted line. So I'm sort of surprised to realize that we've only, we've only now gotten to the point where this is an option for fishermen. What do they do before? Just basically toss it in the, in the garbage? Or? I think it really depends. Most fishermen, if there's a, if there's a trash can that's convenient, they'll, they'll do that. They'll do what's best. Sometimes this line also just gets caught um, underwater. It can get caught on the pilings themselves when they get encrusted with marine life. The line can get caught and break, but certainly if there's something convenient nearby and they understand that by doing throwing their line into a recycling bin instead of into the ocean, they're, they're uh, protecting wildlife, they're doing something good for the ocean, I think most fishermen will comply. Yeah, I mean, I think about uh, back in the days living in Orange County, going to Newport Beach Pier, there's a lot of people that are fishing off of it, so I imagine this is really quite a significant problem around all the piers. Our divers have started out in Santa Cruz and have cleaned up the pier in Monterey and also one of the piers in Avila Beach and now um, most recently down in Manhattan Beach and, and Santa Monica Pier. And um, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of stuff underwater. Um, we're using volunteer divers. Um, my project manager, Jennifer Renzulo, is a very experienced scientific diver, and, and she spent years cleaning marine debris off the coral reefs of north, the northwestern Hawaiian Islands. She's in the water with the volunteer divers and they find a tremendous amount of line and rope and even some fragments of fishing nets and the occasional bicycle or <laughs> car windshield, in fact. So they find a lot of stuff down there um, and the, the volunteer divers themselves are just really keen to, to do the work. They're happy to be in the water using their scuba skills to better the environment, the ocean environment. We should mention, too, I think that this is actually a hazard for uh, human beings diving uh, as well. My, my producer in another life was a commercial diver, and he said that you always want to have two knives in case you, while diving, get ensnared. That's absolutely correct. Yeah, divers often carry a, a knife to, to get themselves out of trouble if they get tangled up in something. Um, unfortunately, there are cases of divers getting entangled in monofilament line and drowning, um, and then certainly... Uh, we see evidence of entanglement in wildlife. And, and so, yes, on, on multiple levels, 
we're we're aiming to remove to get the stuff out of the water to to clean up the ocean to make it a safer place for wildlife and for people as well. And and certainly boat owners will will tell you about the amount of stuff that they get tangled up in their propellers on their boats, and that's that's no fun to clean up either. It can do damage to boats. So um, sort of any way you look at it, it's it's garbage. It doesn't belong there, and we're working to get it to get it out of the water. Well, Dr. Gilardi, uh, this month, uh, Cal- uh, Sacramento, the Sacramento River and, and Environs has made the international news with a couple of wayward whales. There was some talk that uh, they'd actually been injured by nets, and I gather that uh, that's not the case? Yes, early on, um, the, the folks who were first observing the whales as they came up the river noticed a, what appeared to be a rope wrapped around at least the, the adult um, whale, and um, upon closer examination, they realized that what had looked like a rope from afar was actually a fairly deep wound, potentially possibly made by a boat propeller. And because the, the edge of the wound was sort of um, uh, flapping, if you will, in the water, it looked a little bit like a rope that was moving around. But when they looked at it more closely, they realized it was the whale was not entangled in a rope or a, or a piece of fishing gear. But it certainly brought to light once again the potential for entanglement of these animals and there have been cases off the coast of California in the last few years where whales have gotten their tails wrapped up in, in ropes and buoy lines and uh, for fishing gear and, and it's very distressing to see it's distressing for the fishermen as well um, they certainly don't like that happening, they don't like the um, fact that it, it endangers wildlife and they certainly don't like losing their gear so in our overall lost fishing gear recovery program we're, we're working closely with fishermen to to retrieve commercial fishing gear out of the water that gets lost. Um, in fact, we contract with commercial fishermen who are divers, urchin harvesters, who to do a significant amount of fishing gear recovery um, down the Channel Islands. And to date, we've removed more than 10 tons of fishing gear nets and traps and ropes and buoys and um, all kinds of things from the seafloor around a few of the Channel Islands. And we're right now actively seeking funding to um, expand our program statewide, and, and I think there's definitely a lot of interest. The, the Ocean Protection Council recently passed a resolution on marine debris and specifically cited uh, lost fishing gear as, a, as an issue of concern and something that they wanted to reduce. And so um, it's just one of those issues, marine debris in general, that's getting increasing attention from the public and increasing recognition that marine debris is, is garbage in the ocean, and we... We don't like litter, we don't like garbage on land, and we don't like it in the ocean either. And the Sea Doc Society has developed this, this project, this program, where we're working closely with fishermen and with volunteer divers and with community groups to reduce the problem. Of course, it isn't just, I guess, fishing gear, even even simple garbage. I know a lot of people have been encouraged to, to take and cut the tops of six-packs because the seabirds and the like can sometimes get ensnared if they are intact. Yeah, like you just pointed out, growing awareness for... The, the risks that this stuff poses to wildlife, um, you know, unfortunately, easy to find pictures on the web of, of birds and turtles and mammals that have things wrapped around them or, or turtles that have swallowed plastic bags or uh, some of our pelagic seabirds will pick up pieces of plastic on the ocean surface um, when they mistake them for a prey item and, and they end up swallowing plastic instead of food. And so... Um, it's definitely one of those those issues as we uh, have, are becoming increasingly aware of the stressors to our to our oceans, the health of our oceans. Um, this is one of them, and the Sea Doc Society really aims to develop solutions for some of these stressors facing the ocean and its wildlife. And um, the the Lost Fishing Gear Recovery Project is an example. 
Well, I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to want to get involved in this very worthy uh, project. Where would you recommend they go for more information, and, and how can they participate? We have a, we have a website, um, www.lostfishinggear.org. Um, it's a good place to get information about our projects, about the Sea Doc Society, and about the other programs of the Wildlife Health Center here at UC Davis. Sea Doc Society is one of our core marine ecosystem health projects, but we, have, um, we do quite a bit of, of work on wildlife and ecosystem health California and internationally. So um, welcome and would encourage anyone interested in uh, wildlife work here at UC Davis to visit our website. And then there's contact information on that page for, for anyone with more questions. Very good. We've been speaking with Dr. Kirsten Gilardi about a year-long effort in California to clean up uh, lost fishing gear and other debris which injures aquatic wildlife. We thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you very much, Doug. All right, final point on today's program. I want to talk about Renee Montaigne's appearance at the Mondavi Center yesterday. Thanks to the good people at Capital Public Radio, Donna Abadoni in particular, I was able to uh, attend the event at CPR earlier that morning with Renee and her producer. That would be Ellen McDonald. But uh, actually, we're running out of time. So I think what I'm just going to do is refer you to the excellent article in the Media Savvy section of the Sacramento Bee by... Sam McManus. In fact, let me excerpt from that. People used to say with a measure of condescension that National Public Radio's audience was small but fervent. Now it's huge. 26 million listeners a week huge and no less fervent. Three years ago last month, NPR's signature news program, Morning Edition, replaced Bob Edwards, the only host the show has ever had after 24 years. Howls of protest ensued from Morning Edition's listener base, which at the time numbered more than 10 million a week. Its headquarters in Washington received 35,000 email protests. Supporters started online petitions. Some even withheld pledge money, anathema to a nonprofit media outlet. Now here we are three years later, and you hardly hear a peep of protest about the Morning Edition lineup. It's widely believed, especially in this space, that Morning Edition is a better newsier, more nimble and relevant program with Renee Montaigne and Steve Inskeep as co-hosts. Listenership bears that out. More than 13 million tune into the show, which airs locally on KXJZ 90.9 FM, beginning at 3 a.m. Monday through Friday. That gives it the second biggest radio audience in the country behind Rush Limbaugh's syndicated show. Anyway, we refer you back to the article in Media Savvy for more. And we'll report on what we found uh, a little greater length on next week's program. We had Bob Edwards here in Radio Parallax about the time he was leaving uh, Morning Edition. But we have to agree with Sam McManus. It is a better program now. It is much more topical. It's much more up on the events as they're taking place. And it shows that a lot of energy and thought went into improving matters. Our thanks for today's program go to Dr. Kirsten Gillardi. We hope you will uh, follow her advice and go to those websites and see if you can't participate in cleaning up uh, some of our peers here in California. And a thanks to Dr. Larry Berman, whose book, Perfect Spy, The Incredible Double Life of Phan Soon An, Time Magazine reporter and Vietnamese communist agent, is one heck of a good read. We hope we'll have Dr. Berman on again. 
This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. EDVS's musical programming will now resume. We'll see you next week at the same time. We'll be right back.